This week, we're going to continue our series, Going Back to the Bible. Uh, Last week, I had us look at Genesis chapter 1 through 5. And this week, you know, I said, go back and read it. It's good for us to get acquainted with the Bible. And I thought I should go back and read it myself (laughs) over and over. Uh, And as I was reading, I I went back to read Genesis 1 through 5. And as I was reading it, I noticed I was doing something that I had never noticed I did before. I was interpreting the story according to the way I was taught it. So you read it, but in the back of my mind was almost like another voice, like this is the way it should be read. And it seemed as if there was another voice in the back of my mind reading it with me making sure I read it the right way. I wasn't free to read it critically, like if I read another book. And I wondered what it was, and I wrestled with it. I said, what is that voice? And finally, I discovered what it was. It was my religious upbringing. It was my religious instruction. It was there in my approach to the scripture itself. You know, all the thousands of of Sunday school versions of the stories I read. And it was making sure that I read the story correctly, that I read it the right way. I sat and read this Genesis story over and over, and when I brought my adult intellect, you know, this version of me, to it, to it, when I came to it freely, I actually began to see the story in a whole new light. I felt my religious instruction pushing back, trying to control what to make of the story. But this is when I was able to push that, push back at that and read the story myself. Jesus clearly did this, right? He didn't follow the religious teaching he grew up with. He pushed back against it because he saw something else in it. He saw himself. So as I read it, I took back my right to read the scripture freely and critically. And what I read told me that human beings, so you open up Genesis 1 through 5, and this is what I read. What I read told me that human beings were made by God in the beginning, that everything was good, and that human beings were the ones that made everything bad when they ate from the wrong tree. In our day and age, we still come to the text like this with an already understood narrative. There's almost no reason to even read it because you should already read it a certain way. That was how it was. That's how it has been. But is that helping the world today? Today, do people turn to Genesis and ask it for wisdom and guidance? When was the last time you opened up to Genesis and said, you know, is this how the, how was the world made, oh God? And you turn to it yourself. Uh, do you turn to it for insight into how the world was made and why things are the way that they are? I doubt it. And if that is the case, why even have the Bible? Why have this book if nobody reads it? This is why people don't come to church The book, with its many stories, doesn't offer relevant knowledge for everyday living. That is, you know with me you're always going to get this question, what's under the surface of the story? 
I taught a while back that there were three levels of interpretation. And one of the earliest and most prominent Christian theologians, so it's not just me saying this, his name was Origen, and he was one of the most popular. He was, had written large volumes of Christian commentaries in the second and third centuries uh, A.D. He wrote in his book on first principles about there being three tiers, three tiers to biblical interpretation. That the special nature of the Bible is that it has three levels to it, a literal meaning, a spiritual meaning, and a perfect meaning. What this means is that one can read Genesis in three ways. When Jesus' disciples pointed out that ancient Jewish texts were speaking about Jesus before he was born, they were applying the same approach, that something more than what appeared on the surface was being said. So now that we have looked at Genesis over the past week, if you haven't, this is good because I I knew that uh, we'd have to get the message out twice. You can catch up this week, read Genesis chapters 1 through 5. But today we will look at the surface story to be more critical of it because we're going to have to wonder if there might be something else under the story that's been missed. If no one cares for the surface story anymore, we know that there was the Big Bang. We know, we know how uh, Earth and the planets came into being. If no one believes these stories anymore, here's the proof. There should be more. There's another level of interpretation. The literal in, uh, version of the Genesis story isn't useful anymore. Do you believe God made the earth in seven days? Made everything? Not just the earth, the universe too. Do you believe that the heavens, that, uh, do you believe that the heavens are above the sky and that there is a canopy in between the earth and the heavens filled with water and God just opens them up every once in a while and that's how rain comes? That's, we know that's not how rain comes, but that's what they were writing about back then. Do you believe God had Adam name all the creatures after, like we call lions lions because of Adam and Eve? No, he probably didn't even call it lion. <laughs> Maybe he didn't even know. I, are there even lions in Mesopotamia, in Mesopotamia where up in Israel? Do you believe all the world's problems come from human beings just eating a fruit? Is that why there's evil in the world? It is on Genesis chapter 2 that we'll focus on today. When we get to the 8th verse, we read this. So I'm going to be reading the Bible for us today. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. This is in Mesopotamia. First we must ask, have you ever asked this of the Bible? Who is the Lord God in this story? Do we know? You're told that this is... You're told you, you have an assumption that you've been taught. We don't know them. We don't know who this is. We're being introduced to God, and so we have to not assume we know. This is what a reasonable person would do. Like when you're reading a book and there's a character in the story, you let the character unfold. But with the Bible, when we come to, the, when we come to it, we already have, oh, this must be God. That's what we were taught. So we're not going to jump to any conclusions. First, we're going to listen to the story to see so we can learn about this character, the Lord God. We already know that the universe wasn't made in seven days. This is clearly a symbolic story that has been interpreted for us. 
Today we want to interpret it ourselves. We will read it as we're told to read in Proverbs chapter 1, as a story for gaining wisdom and instruction, uh, so that we can understand words of insight, so that we can add to our learning, and understand the parables, the sayings, and riddles of the wise. And so Genesis, it's the, here's the story. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We all know this, right? Every, uh, most, uh, if you've attended Sunday school, you know this. So here we're introduced to the first law from God. And the Lord God, so God puts these two gardens, puts these two trees in the garden where he put Adam and Eve. And this is what he says. The Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you'll certainly die. Does that sound like a threat? A warning, yeah. A God who threatens his creation. So I said, don't jump to any conclusions. Let's observe the Lord God in the story before we jump in to accepting it. Because this was an ancient God from thousands of years ago. So one thing we know about God is that this God created the material world in this story. And as soon as he makes human beings, he puts them in the garden with two trees and says, don't eat from one or else you're going to die. So this is a God who threatens his creation if they don't follow exactly what they say. Why even put the tree there? See, this is why you have to have a critical mind. We've all had these questions. Why did you even put the tree there? This is the first law we get from the, first, from the law-giving God. And we know what happens, right? If you tell your kid, don't do something, what do they do? Human beings break this law. And we've been told that it's all Eve's fault, right? It's women's fault. We've got to blame somebody. And she was deceived by the snake. And the snake was evil for tricking Eve. And Adam is a fool for not following God's law. But what happened when they ate the fruit? What happened? The snake questioned Eve when he came to her. He says, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman replied, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or else you'll die. So again, I'm, I pulled myself away from what I was always taught and asked some real questions. Does this sound like a good God, a good parent? Who would do this to their children? It seems like the Garden of Eden is more of a trap than it is a paradise. The snake responds back to Eve, you will not certainly die. Listen to this. For God knows when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like who? God knowing good and evil. 
Did you hear that? If she and Adam eat from this tree, they'll be like the devil? No. They will be like God, knowing good and evil. They will be like God. Why is that a bad thing? Isn't that what we're striving for? To be like, you know, to be more like God? Aren't we created in God's image? Or is it that this God in the garden likes to give out commands? They like to be feared. Remember what happened when they ate? They hid. They like to be worshipped and obeyed. Who is this God of the garden with a trap placed in the middle? What happened to Adam and Eve when they ate from the tree? It says, then their eyes of both of them were opened. They saw who they were. They saw that they were naked and made clothes for themselves. If I saw I was naked, that's what I would do. (laughs) They started taking care of themselves. These sound like responsible humans. Then the Lord God comes looking for them, and with their eyes now open, what do they do? They hide from the Lord God. Having eaten from the tree that gives all wisdom, what is their reaction now when they see this God? They hide from this mysterious Lord who walks in the garden. And then another strange thing happens. Now it seems like God has lost track of Adam and Eve. I thought that that couldn't happen. Doesn't God know everything? But here we have this section that says, The Lord God called to the man, Where are you? How strange of a question for God. And Adam answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. God then proceeds to curse Adam, Eve, and even the snake. God is in this garden is the one who curses Adam and Eve with death, saying, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. And if you thought that was bad, it is this God that cuts humanity off from eternal life at the end of the chapter, saying, the man has now become like one of us. Knowing good and evil, he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. All religious instruction aside, why is this Lord so cold and callous? Why is there no grace, no mercy? Oh, you made a mistake. No compassion. Why are they so threatened by human beings becoming like them that they curse humanity, kick them from the garden, and then block them from the tree that would make them live forever? This is the problem we have with God in the modern world. The old God does not match what we believe and know God to be through Jesus Christ. A tolerant, you know, Jesus teaches us this, that God is a tolerant and patient father who loves all the children of the earth. So why do we get a version of God in Genesis that is so different than the one that Jesus presents to us in the New Testament? You know, Jesus doesn't call God God or Lord. He never says God or Lord. He calls God Abba, Father. So we have to ask, who was this God 
in the beginning in Genesis. It was a version of God, but not the full version of God. It was a clouded version. Listen to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 9. It says this about Jesus. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. And further, that what Moses had received, you know who wrote Genesis? It was Moses or somebody around him in his circle. It was Moses that had received as a story the be- Genesis. Moses was the one who wrote Genesis. And Moses, did he know the real God, the full version of God? Why did Jesus have to come? Because we didn't have the full version. We had half of a version. And what the Gospel of John says was that Moses was only someone who understood God through the eyes of the law. In verse 16, John chapter 1, verse 16, it says this, The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. It is only God the Son who is close to the Father's heart who has made him known. It's Jesus who makes God fully known. This has major implications for we hear a version of God from Moses that we all have never questioned, an account of the beginning only through Moses' understanding of God in Genesis. When we read Genesis, we have to remember as Christians, we cannot be deceived into thinking that this is the full picture. This is the full story of human creation. It's only an interpretation of a vision Moses had, and Moses only knew God as being a God of law and judgment. Remember the ten plagues? That's the kind of God he was. Remember the law, who, the, the person who wrote all of the 618 laws? It was Moses. He only saw God through this lens. In fact, this is the type of God we're going to see when we read the whole Old Testament. You read the New Testament compared to the Old Testament, two very different versions of God. The Genesis story is a narrative that we've inherited from our past, but it's, that doesn't make it definitive. Should we as Christians look to the book of Genesis as the beginning of humanity? Only in light of the whole truth that Jesus brings to us. It tells the story of what Moses and the Israelites believed to be true about God. But it is not how we as Christians perceive God to be. Christ comes to give us the full truth about God. That's why he's the Savior. That's why he's above Moses and the prophets. He comes to bring us a richer and fuller picture of God that only only back they didn't know the full version of God. Jesus comes and reveals it. So you can open up the Old Testament and begin reading the Bible and wonder, what kind of God is this? But as Christians, we're not held captive by the past understandings of God. Rather, we come to see God as unfolding over the course of human history. Because here's the truth that was not revealed in Genesis about God. Human beings were not just made in the image of God. We are God's children with whom he has infinite grace and mercy. Second Peter 3 says this, that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, 
as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, never wanting anyone to perish. Did you know that about God? God doesn't want anyone, any picture of hell, that's created by religion. What the scripture actually says is that God wants everyone, and God is patient. God has granted human beings the freedom of choice and has given them access to the tree of life through Jesus Christ. Do you know in Revelation, it says, it says at the end of the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, that human beings now have access to the tree of life. You know who gave that to us? Jesus. Jesus is the one who gives us back eternal life, right? We all know John 3, 16. Jesus has given us eternal life. The God in the Old Testament is the one who takes it away from us. Jesus reveals to us that the full God, God the Father, the one in the Old Testament, is not the one he was talking to. That God the Father would not curse humanity based on their choices, but that the true God has infinite patience to love and endure human beings as works in progress. We call God Father. Don't call God Lord. There's actually a passage in uh, one of the epistles that says, don't kneel before the throne of God. You run to the throne of God. That's your father up there on on the throne. Don't be held back by fear and shame and guilt like they, Adam and Eve, had to react to this God that they were talking about in Genesis. The change in the story is important because it shows us that the past has absolutely corrupted our understanding of God. This primitive story, and it's a primitive story, should not be taken literally as if the God of Moses knew the fullness of God. Remember Moses was talking to God and he said, show me your face. And God said, I, you cannot see my face. <laughs> he just showed him his back. What was God so afraid of? <laughs> we can read it and understand Genesis like this, as a clouded revelation of the truth. And we should distance ourselves from the God presented in it so that we're not held captive by the belief that God is all about laws, all about fear, and all about casting judgment on us. Next week, we will read Genesis. This is your homework. If you have to catch up, you read Genesis 1 to 5. But they're short. It literally will take... You can read so much more. But uh, all you have to do is read for this week Genesis chapters 5 through 10. And you're going to see that this earlier... This understanding of God, the God who, you know, what happens in 5 through 10, that's when Noah and the flood comes. You're going to see this God at work, this God who judges the world and wipes out humanity. I thought God was a God of love and patience and kindness. Why is that not lining up with what we know? We have to ask these questions. This was the God of Moses, not the God not the full image of God that Jesus Christ revealed to us. May we go with an open mind. You know who gave us this mind, right? God. This mind created in the image of the true Father who gives it to us so that we may find our way back to him in this life.